Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Another beautiful day, regardless of the weather, here in Salt Lake City. For those of you listening for the first time, I'm Jared St. Clair. Vitality Radio is brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful, Utah at 107 South, 500 West. You can call us anytime at 801-292-6662. You can jump on our website, vitalitynutrition.com. Very, very soon, we'll have uh, previously aired episodes of Vitality Radio available on the website like we used to. Uh, That's in the works right now. And uh, excited to do more and more with radio in the coming year. We just hit our ninth anniversary. We're in year 10 officially as of just a few weeks ago. And I sure appreciate those of you who listen on a regular basis to Vitality Radio. Every time I get to meet one of you at Vitality Nutrition, uh, it uh, makes me smile. So thank you so much. And Merry Christmas to you. Uh, wow. I can't believe it came up as quick as it did this year. This might have been the quickest of all perception-wise for me anyway. Uh, crazy, crazy how fast uh, time flies the older you get, right? Uh, join us on Facebook if you want to get in on the conversation. It's facebook.com slash radio. Okay, so today for you, as I was mulling over ideas for the radio uh, yesterday, I was trying to think, okay, what do I do? It's just about year's end. we got one more show before the year ends next, uh, next week. And uh, then we're on to 2018. It's hard. I'm having to write that on stuff already. That's hard to even think uh, that that happens. But it happens every single year. And usually, traditionally, around New Year's, I'll do a show on resolutions. And uh, sometimes I mock uh, the resolution thing a little bit. But we'll talk about that next week. This week, I decided to do something I have never done before. And that is to do sort of a countdown of the things that I learned about health in 2017. Because as I looked back through my show history on Vitality Radio, I realized there were a lot of new discoveries for me, or maybe at least things that kind of got more concrete for me uh, over the last year. And I'm going to go through those with you. So it's going to be a little bit of a rapid fire thing. There won't be a general topic like there usually is. I'll have five, six, seven minutes on a bunch of different things. And, uh, Know, somewhat of a greatest hits of Vitality Radio for uh, 2017. So that's what we'll get into once we get past, of course, the thing that I try and do every single week, and that is my morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All righty, the rant today. Life expectancy in the United States fell for the second year in a row. 
In 2016, they're always a little behind on these stats, right? So last year, life expectancy fell in the United States. That in and of itself, year to year, not necessarily terribly uncommon, but it is very uncommon for it to happen two years in a row. And the last time that happened two years in a row was way back in 92 and, or sorry, since 92, 62 and 63. So when I say rare, rare, we're talking 50 plus years, right? So what's the deal with life expectancy? Because we always read, at least we usually read each year, these little headlines that say life expectancy is up in the United States, and all of a sudden it's down two years in a row. Well, according to government researchers, the epidemic of drug overdoses is at least partially to blame, because listen to how the numbers play out. Overall life expectancy for a baby born in 2016 fell to 78.6 years, a small decline of 0.1%. That is pretty small, uh, according to the National Center of Health Statistics. At the same time, mortality from a drug overdose rose by 21%. So that's a big deal, right? 21% increase, and that might be conservative. As we get into the meat of, uh, of the show, I'll talk a little bit about, more about these drug overdoses and uh, what is happening there. But wow. So two years in a row now, life expectancy is down, and the government specifically pinning a high percentage of that on actually what's happening with drug overdoses. So the number of people who died, not the rate, went up in 2016. More than 2.7 million people died in the U.S. in 2016, a total of 31,618 more deaths than in 2015. So more people died. Life expectancy falls when people start dying at younger ages, and that's what's happening in the U.S. with the epidemic of opioid overdoses. The escalating growth of opioid deaths is downright frightening, according to John Auerbach, president and CEO of Trust for America's Health. Every community is being impacted by the crisis, and it's getting less Sorry, lots of headlines, yet we're not making the investments or taking actions needed at anywhere near the level needed to turn the tide, according to him. So what's going on? I've talked about this before, and it's... uh, It is kind of scary stuff. The death rate from drug overdoses rose 18% a year from 2014 to 2016. Uh, In 99, 6.1 per 100,000 people died from drug overdoses. That that rate rose to 19.8 per 100,000 in 2016. Now, think about that. That's 1999 to 2016, okay? Not a really long time period, not even 20 years. We go from 6.1 people per 100,000 dying from drug overdoses to 19.8. So from 6 to 20 per 100,000, basically, uh, over a 17-year period, that is frightening is the right word. I mean, that's crazy stuff. So I've talked about this before. If you haven't heard me talk about it, uh, you've seen billboards around uh, the valley talking about this opioid epidemic and the issues that are going on and stop the you know opioid madness, basically. And yet, there seems to be a bit of a disconnect a couple of ways, because what they'll talk about uh, as they say, well, you know, prescription opioids are the leading gateway drug to, um, to heroin. Uh, six out of seven people that start heroin 
initially got on an opioid uh, as a prescription became hooked uh, and then went to heroin because, frankly, it's cheaper and easier to get. Uh, Laura tab will cost you a lot of money on the street. And so what is very interesting to me is that we talk about this epidemic. And the only thing that I really see being done on a uh, you know government level is that there are uh, district attorneys in several states now that are filing lawsuits against the drug companies uh, saying that they need to do something about their drugs, which you know, it's fine. I'm not. I'm the, the very smallest uh, on the list of fans of the of big pharma for sure. But is it really big pharma's fault? I mean, um, a, a comedian I was listening to, Bill Burr, the other day, day was talking about McDonald's uh, serving burgers or uh, salads and burgers, right? Not just burgers, and how uh, he thinks they caved into the pressure because nobody should eat at McDonald's if they're trying to be healthy. Well, McDonald's is going to serve you a burger. If you order a burger, Taco Bell is going to do the same thing. Only they'll serve you a taco or a queso taco or a you know chalupa burrito or whatever they call their stuff there. They'll they're going to serve you the stuff that you order and you're going to eat it. And that's on who? Well, it's on you, right? Ultimately. Well, with pharmaceuticals, it's a little bit different because the drug companies are in business and they will sell as many opiates as they possibly can. And of course. I think that they are definitely complicit because over the years they've tried to make it sound as if they are safer than they really are. They've uh, had advances, quote unquote, uh, in opiates where they've made them sustained release. So in theory, they'd be less addicting. That's proven to not be the case and so on and so forth. But then there's this middleman called your doctor. And he or she have the power of the pen, right? They get to write these prescriptions and decide if uh, you know you need this opiate. Now, the, the, that there's problems there because the government is is saying to the doctors, uh, FDA is saying to doctors, AMA is saying to doctors, you know, we need to be more more cautious of how we prescribe these, how long we prescribe them, how many pills we hand out, and so on and so forth. So there's some stuff happening there. And then, of course, ultimately, there's you, right? You need to decide if you are in enough pain that you need to take these things, or maybe you can take a lower dose, or maybe you can get away with something that's over the counter, or some combination of the two, and all that kind of stuff. And of course, that's a conversation you should have with your doctor. But where I think the big disconnect here is that we're, is, is is that we're talking about this opiate problem while at the same time screaming in many cases about how we can't possibly want to have medical marijuana available because that's a gateway drug. I mean, that's what I hear from the opposition to medical marijuana is it's a gateway drug. Well, there's no bigger gateway drug in the world outside of maybe alcohol than an opiate. I mean, six out of seven new heroin users, do we need a stronger statistic than that? It's insane. And there's debate as to whether or not pot is a gateway drug anyway. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. The point of the matter is we're talking at least medically. I'm somewhat... Uh, uncertain about what happens uh, with uh, recreational use of of marijuana in the states that have that have uh, uh, 
uh, allowed it. I don't really know what's going on. I hear all kinds of things, but I haven't read any users now and more missed days at work and uh, you know excessive brownie eating or whatever it is. So I don't know what's happening with that. But from a medical perspective, at least, anybody I think that is looking and saying, well, pot is more dangerous than uh, Lortab or Percocet or you name it, any of the, these, uh, these drugs uh, or even the stronger ones like Oxycontin and things like that. You're looking at that and you're comparing one versus the other. I think you're, you're kind of losing it there because there is no comparison. There simply is not in terms of safety. Uh, people just don't die from pot. They don't. And so medical marijuana makes sense. But what about the stuff that is currently legal? I talk about it a lot on Vitality Radio, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in my What I Learned in 2017 segment. But CBD, which now in a few states is technically illegal, uh, is doing things for people that even medical marijuana in many cases does not do without the gateway drug implication at all. And yet what's frustrating to me is that nobody's on the medical side of things is talking about this because of this stupid stigma of, you know, hemp being somehow dangerous. And when I say hemp, I'm talking about industrial hemp. That's what CBD is made from. And if you haven't heard one of my shows about CBD, stay tuned because I'm going to, one of my uh, topics in the next segment is going to be about CBD specifically. And I'll go into it in a little bit more detail. But this CBD stuff is changing lives for so many people. It cannot get you high. It doesn't even come from marijuana anyway. It comes from an industrial hemp source. And it's by, I don't even know what the millions of uh, percentages I'd have to throw on it, more safe than opiates have ever been. So. We need to be not just saying, well, we have an epidemic, we need to prescribe less, people need to take less, people need to not share their drugs, and so on and so forth. All of that is useful. Don't get me wrong. It's all useful, and it's all things that that I believe every one of those things needs to be looked at and needs to be fixed. But we also need to be looking at the alternatives. And the frustrating part from my side of things is that oftentimes that just isn't done. It reminds me of the whole Susan G. Komen race for the cure, breast cancer awareness thing. We spend 90 plus percent of the money that's raised for breast cancer on awareness. And there's not a soul that even those living under a rock in this country that doesn't isn't fully aware of breast cancer and what it is and how bad it is and how many people are getting it. I mean, that awareness is there. The, the, your football fanatics are all very familiar with the pink shoes and towels and all the other stuff that comes out for a month every year in the NFL season. The awareness is there. So the question is, okay, now that we're aware, what the heck do we do about it? And all they say is, get screened earlier, get screened younger. And that just causes more breast cancer. And we have actual proof that that's the case. So making people aware by giving them only options that create more cancer is insane. It makes no sense at all, right? So how about prevention? How about we look at breast cancer prevention? And that's the thing with the opioid epidemic, it's this—it's the same basic thing. We're going to talk about the epidemic and where there's awareness and be careful and don't take these things too long and don't share them with your friends and dispose of them properly and all this other stuff. Okay, fine. But what if there's an alternative that makes me not need this stuff in the first place? 
and it's safe, and it's not a gateway drug, and it actually works. What if that exists? And it's on the market right now. Well, maybe it does, because I'm telling you that I have people tell me I'm no longer in pain. I had a woman come in about a month ago to Vitality Nutrition. She was using a walker. She was in clear pain. Her face winced with every step. And she complained about her weight, but she said, I can't move enough to keep my weight off. And I know the more weight creates more pain. And she asked a lot of questions about CBD because somebody had recommended it to her. And she said, I'm using two Laura Tab a day. And if I didn't, I wouldn't even be able to get out of bed. But I'm still in a lot of pain. And that's basically the conversation we had. Three weeks later, she's at Vitality again with a friend who she's told about CBD. And she looks me in the eye and she says, I am no longer in pain. I'm pain-free, and I'm not using Loratab anymore. Now, if that is an option, and I'm not saying it works for everybody that well. I'm not saying that every single dose of every opiate could be avoided because of CBD. But if it's an option that it could work for you, then you should be looking into it, right? Especially if you're on, if, if you're chronic, if you're dealing with chronic pain and you're on these things all the time. But shouldn't the government also be looking at it? Shouldn't we be talking about alternatives for pain because people with severe joint pain are oftentimes benefited by hyaluronic acid or specifically hyaluronin uh, from, from a company called Baxel, amazing for joint pain. I see such good results with it. And people with other types of chronic pain are benefited by turmeric. And there's research study after research study after research study showing that. But when I see billboards talking about the opioid epidemic, all I see is stop the opidemic, right? It's all about just awareness still. And I like the awareness. Let's create the awareness, but let's also have a discussion about the options, Because if people have no options and pain or no pain or less pain because of a drug, no matter how dangerous it might be, are my options, I'm probably going to be choosing to be out of pain, even if the other option stinks. And here we are putting people between a rock and a hard place, pain or less pain, but lots of potential side effects. And oh, by the way, you might become an addict and die. If those are our options, we need other options. And there are other options. It's not just a two-way thing. There are other options, and that's why I do Vitality Radio, is to share them with you. So there's the rant for the day. I got a little passion at that time. It's time for me to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to talk about 2017, not the best albums of the year, not the best movies of the year. Those are all on other shows, although I could share some of mine. But we're going to talk about things I learned in 2017 in the world of health that I think you should know about. When we come back, my name's Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blogger online, others from a magazine article, and yet another 
by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or drop us an email. Info at vitalityradiopod.com. That's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Okay, so I talked about these things that I was going to talk about coming back, um, all about the... uh, things I learned in 2017. Now, some of these are new, like literally, wow, I didn't know that. Other things are things I hoped I'd learn, that I would learn as the year went on, as I saw results from people and things like that. And some things are just concreted a little bit more. Like, I knew this, but wow, now it's absolutely clear. So it's a combination of those types of things today that we're going to be talking about. But uh, let's just go ahead and get rolling on this. I'm going to start with something that was not something I learned in 2017. It was something I learned in 2016. But I kept researching it into 2017, and I believe it's a pretty big deal. And so I want to bring it up one more time, even though technically this discovery is a year and a half old. Every time, every time, without exception so far, I mention this word to somebody, and they say, what? I've never heard of it. So here it is. Sarcopenia. Sarcopenia. What does that even sound like? Well, if you've heard my show on it, you know what it is. But otherwise, I bet you don't. I didn't. I'd never heard of it. And yet it affects pretty much everybody in America. And we're talking about something. This is another one that I could have included in my rant. Osteoporosis all the time. We're talking about osteoporosis like it's going out of style, but it's not going out of style. It's terrible. Uh, it's pretty devastating here in this country. Of first world nations, we have the highest rate of osteoporosis in the world. And yet, the highest level of calcium consumption. So again, this whole one plus one equals two thing doesn't always add up because we say you have osteoporosis, you take calcium. Uh, it's not that simple, right? Well, sarcopenia, I brought up osteoporosis because sarcopenia, I look at it as kind of osteoporosis of the muscles. It's muscular breakdown, muscular wasting as you age. And it's a very interesting thing because up until the last two years, life expectancy was increasing in this country. Now it's decreasing because people under 50 are routinely dying of opiate overdoses and other types of drug overdoses. And um, did you know that like 78% of those overdoses are unintentional? I forgot to bring that up. Pretty big deal, right? So 22% of people are trying 
to kill themselves. The rest of them are just hooked on something. You can't get off and then do something dumb, take too much or take it and drive or take it with too much alcohol or whatever, and then they're gone. And they didn't want to be gone. They still wanted to be here. It's pretty sad. So back to sarcopenia. Wow. I'm showing my ADD side. Okay, back to sarcopenia. So it's muscle wasting. And the reason I brought up the life expectancy thing is that if you live to be 75 in this country, which the majority of people do, our life expectancy now is about 78, almost 79, according to the new research for 2016. You will have sarcopenia almost without exception. But it starts in most Americans at about the age of 50. Now, I'm 45, so it's right around the corner for me. But at the age of 50, our muscles start to break down. And there's a bunch of different reasons for this. But one of the biggest reasons might be that we just eat not quite enough protein as we get older. In our younger years... Most people say, most experts, let's say, say you're eating enough protein. Now, depending on your level of exercise and a variety of other things, that level, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of variables there. And there's a lot of debate as to how much protein somebody needs and so on and so forth. But we do know that most Americans over the age of 50 are actually getting less than what the government recommends, which a lot of people think is less than what we should have in the first place. And that may be leading to some of this muscular wasting. Another thing that's very interesting is that there have been some things studied that have shown to actually reverse this sarcopenia thing. And a couple of those things are actually pretty simple to take. Creatine. Creatine is generally considered uh, the supplement of people who go to the gym, right? Trying to build more muscle. Um, A a lot of women are nervous about creatine because they think maybe they'll get too muscular. I hear that a lot, which I think is kind of interesting. And that's starting to fade. People are getting more educated and realizing that the more lean muscle they have, the less fat they'll have. And so more and more women are climbing on board with the creatine thing as well. But we don't see a lot of people in their 60s or 70s on creatine. And maybe we should because there's some excellent evidence showing that it prevents this muscular breakdown, that it helps people get out of chairs, up and down the stairs, all kinds of other things. In fact, in as little as seven days on creatine, people in their 70s are showing significant increases in ability, muscular ability, just to do the simple things around the house, picking up picking up and putting down boxes and getting up out of chairs and going up and down the stairs and so on and so forth. So creatine, a big deal. And in particular, I'm a huge fan of something called crealkaline. It's much easier on the system than creatine. It pretty much takes any of the negatives of creatine and puts them right out the door. It's super economical. It's like 10 bucks a month to use it. And it can really, really help. So if you're listening and you're in that age range, or you've got a loved one in that age range, you know, uh, 50 and up, but especially once you get into the 60s and 70s, that's a supplement that should be considered to help with the sarcopenia. The other thing is just taking a good protein supplement or branched-chain amino acids can make a big difference. And now branched-chain amino acids are all the rage with people going to the gym, and they're a great option in between meals, not with your meal, but in between meals during the day, as something just to sip on throughout the day to give your body the key amino acids that build muscle tissue. So sarcopenia is real. It's a problem. And almost nobody knows about it. 
But if you just Google search it, on, you'll find it on WebMD and places like that. And it is a legitimate problem uh, that we are concerned about. And if you're concerned about osteoporosis, it is maybe a bigger deal than even osteoporosis is because it is the musculoskeletal system. They, you know, one supports the other. It's like scaffolding. And if our muscle tissue breaks down, our bones can't maintain their integrity as well either. So maintaining lean muscle is huge. It's one of the biggest reasons why weight-bearing exercise is so important for people with osteopenia or osteoporosis. So don't ignore sarcopenia in 2018. That's item number one. Okay, how about this? Leaky gut is where you start. Now, this is one that is more of a concrete thing. This is something I believed going into 2017. But as 2017 has happened, and as I've seen, first off, a few things that really, really genuinely and clinically have been proven to help with leaky gut, I've seen people's health improve, and in many cases, quite dramatically. Now, what is leaky gut? I'm going to give you the very brief version of all of this because I've got a big list here. Uh, It's basically something called a tight junction in your intestinal tract that's probably been loosened up by uh, inflammation, uh, pesticides, specifically Roundup, one of the biggest reasons, antibiotics, another huge reason, uh, just bad eating habits, creating inf- inflammation in the gut, whatever. And there are people, including Dr. Zach Bush, who I had on earlier this year and who I intend to have on again in 2018 because he was awesome. Uh, it, he says that he believes everybody in America is dealing with this because of the ubiquitous uh, situation we have with Roundup. Glyphosate, as they call it, or glyphosate, depending on who you ask. And this Roundup thing's a big deal because it's everywhere. It's in mom's breast milk. It's all over the place now, and you can't get rid of it. Even if you're eating organically, you'll get rid of some, but uh, it's in the groundwater. It's all over the place. The stuff is it's awful, and it's everywhere, and Monsanto likes it that way, but, but it's, it's bad news. So because of that, even if you're eating really, really well, you may be dealing with some leaky gut. And if you are like most of us in America, you didn't always eat really well, even if you are now. And so you still may have some things going on. Well, I've discovered over the last year that people feel better, get better, see results with all kinds of different things, including autoimmunity issues, by just targeting their gut fixing the leaky gut. And there are a few things that people use for leaky gut. And um, my buddy and I used to talk all the time about this. There's this company, they're still out there called Nature's Secret. And all they did at the time, they do a lot of stuff now, but all they did at the time was cleanses, colon cleanses, digestive cleanses, enzymes, things like that. And their name was Nature's Secret. And we thought this is the best name ever because the secret is to health Digestion and elimination, right? What you put in, how it comes out, essentially, that's life. That's where it all comes from. And there are a lot of other factors, but that's the biggie. And if your gut ain't working, you ain't working. It's really kind of simple. So if we're looking at that, we have to start with the gut. So even if you come in and say, hey, I'm dealing with anxiety, I'm going to say, well, we do need to talk about gut health because anxiety is huge with gut health. Why? Does that sound strange? Because of the gut-brain connection and that nerve that goes between the two. There's more traffic on that freeway than any other freeway in our bodies. 
And so if the gut's not working right, depression can ensue, anxiety can ensue, ADD, so many other things are affected by what's happening in the gut. If you say, I'm in pain, we need to look at your gut. It doesn't really matter what you're talking about. Even if you say, well, I'm regular and I feel fine when I eat, but I have this and this and this, the this and this and this very often stem from stuff going on in the gut. So Just Thrive Probiotic, my favorite, favorite probiotic, an amazing product, Restore that Dr. Zach Bush put together. And I'm seeing results on this stuff now, and it's really, really good. People love it. And of course, bone broth, protein, uh, all three things specifically are being used for leaky gut and with great success. So excited uh, that I'm seeing results because the biggest thing with leaky gut going into 2017 was that I knew what it was. I knew people were dealing with it. I had lots of concerns. And aside from major diet changes, enzymes, things like that, I didn't know how to help anybody with it that effectively. And now I do. So very, very exciting stuff. If you have questions about leaky gut, give us a call at Vitality Nutrition 801-292-6662. Okay, the next item before we cut to a break, we're going to go into something, well, Fragrant, let's say. Natural deodorants that really work. Was there such a thing? Was there such a thing in 2016? Well, this is a funny one. Years ago, I've told this story a few times, so forgive me if you've heard it. But years ago, I had an experience where I uh, stumbled onto a forum for uh, LDS women, of all things, talking about health related topics and I had to uh, I had to read it because they were talking about natural deodorant and that's like this big thing because people that are really into health know that deodorant for the most part is pretty toxic stuff has recently talked about that and yet nobody wants to stink right I mean it's pretty simple so they said that all you need to do is wash your armpits with no with just water kind of rub the armpits with water and your fingers and no soap and that you wouldn't smell. And what I've determined is that that's largely true. It's actually pretty amazing that maybe there's not even deodorant needed. And I've done that for years now and just used a what's called a deodorant stone, which is pretty good stuff, but on its own uh, was not doing the trick. That combination worked fine for me. So that's one option. But now... I've found something that works without being an antiperspirant per se. It actually helps with moisture, which the deodorant stones do not. And it's fantastic for odor. And I just had somebody in yesterday telling me that it works for 26 hours. <laughs> not quite sure how she determined that. But she said after 26 hours, it stops working. Well, that's pretty good, right? Because most of us just have a 24-hour day. So natural deodorant that really works, Think Sport is the company that makes this stuff. It's awesome. It really, really is. And uh, so, yeah, there actually is a natural deodorant that really works. Okay, I'm going to cut to a break. When I come back, we will finish up the show with about 20 minutes of other things I learned, important ones. I'm actually saving a couple of my favorites for the, the final stanza here. Uh, things I learned in 2017. That's what we're talking about on Vitality Radio today. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. 
Insurgent Sports Nutrition is a brand new sports supplement company with a unique philosophy, refuse to conform. In the sports nutrition industry, one company starts something and has some success and everyone else tends to follow their lead. What you end up with is a bunch of Me Too products that don't add up to anything special. What you typically see on the market are formulas with all kinds of ingredients that look good on the label, but do very little to advance your training and performance. At Insurgents, our motto is, everything you need, nothing you don't. While many brands put the right ingredients in a product, most don't put the right dose. There are clinical trials for a reason, to prove not only if an ingredient works, but also how much of that ingredient it takes to provide the desired effect. At Insurgents, we won't add an ingredient to a formula unless we can add the clinically effective dose. Our first formula is our Insurgents pre-workout. Pre-workouts nowadays are a dime a dozen. They even sell them at the big box stores. The vast majority of pre-workouts on the market are overdosed on caffeine and other stimulants and underdosed on the stuff that actually increases your performance. Insurgents pre-workout has all of the most critical ingredients to improve endurance, strength, energy, and without the crash that comes with a mega dose of stimulants. Insurgents pre-workout comes with or without caffeine and has no additional stimulants. If you want a truly effective, hype-free pre-workout that tastes great, is free of artificial colors, and absolutely does the job, refuse to conform and join the insurgents. For more information about insurgents pre-workout, call Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. It is that time of year. It's uh, a little gloomy outside and uh, not enough snow on the ground for me. I really like to have a white Christmas, but eh, well, maybe we'll get a little skiff over the next day or two. Uh, we'll see. But regardless, it should be beautiful, and uh, I hope that you have the opportunity to spend some time with your loved ones this Christmas time and uh, and just enjoy life because life is good. All right, so we're talking about things I learned in 2017 about health. Uh, of course, Vitality Radio is always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful at 107 South, 500 West. You can call us on the phone, 801-292-6662. If you have any questions, you can catch us on the web at vitalitynutrition.com. And uh, I did decide today, kind of spur of the moment, every pre-workout at Vitality Nutrition, it's a little pre-Christmas special, 20 to 50% off today only. Uh, many of them will fit in a stocking. And uh, so 20 to 50% off today only, just a little uh, deal we're going to do, uh, just telling you about it. So there you go. All right, let's get back into it. I talked about CBD a little bit in the introduction during the rant. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, and I'm just going to give you a couple of simple little stories, okay? Um, here's the thing. In my opinion, there are a lot of drugs that are just plain dangerous. And of course, opiates would probably be pretty close to number one on that list, if not number one. And so the pain relieving factors that uh, CBD contains are very promising. I told you about the lady who came in three weeks later saying she was pain-free after being in pain even while taking two Laura tabs a day. So exciting, right? Very exciting, I think. So all of that is awesome. 
But what about anxiety and depression and things like that? Because the thing about CBD that's very interesting is that it's also used for those things because of what it does to balance and tone the nervous system. Well, I had somebody who was in pain and experiencing extreme anxiety in her words. She explained her situation. I listened and I understood. Yeah, (laughs) I can see what you're talking about. You got a lot of stuff going on there. And CBD was a, oh, I don't know if I want to do it kind of a thing for her because she still had this association with CBD and marijuana. And so I want to clarify that. These are not the same thing. CBD cannot make you high if it is just a CBD product. You can't take enough of it. The vast majority of it, including the stuff that we sell at Vitality Nutrition, comes from industrial hemp, the stuff they make rope and clothes out of, not marijuana, the stuff they make joints out of. So it is a different thing, although there is CBD also found in marijuana, and they both come from a form of hemp. And that's where the confusion always kind of gets twisted up there. But the point is that now, six weeks later with her, she says, I just feel like everything's okay. I don't feel, you know, stuff rolls off my back better. I don't feel so anxious and tight. And I could see it. I could see a difference. And less pain. Less pain in arthritic joints. So, again... In 2017, this is what I learned about CBD because we sold CBD in 2015 a little bit and 2016. It's been almost three years now that we started since we started selling it. But in 2017, what I learned is that it works for pain a lot. And a lot of people do well with it. And it's non-addictive. And it isn't a gateway drug. And it's legal. And it's awesome. And there are some states, including the state of Indiana just a couple of weeks ago, that are trying to make it illegal in their state to use it and have made it illegal in some cases. And we can't let that happen in the great state of Utah or any other state for that matter because this is one of the answers to the opioid epidemic. Okay, so another thing I learned, CBD works for pain. Uh, Oh, yeah, the flu shot still doesn't work. That's something I learned. They did a study, Cochrane Institute, um, they, they do all these comparative studies where they throw a bunch of studies together and look at all the data and boil it down to try to make a more, um, make things more of a sure thing in terms of what the research really shows. And one of the things they said is that the flu shot, if it works, and there's a really big if there because it's still never been proven to work but if it actually works to prevent the flu over the last 10 years they've only gotten it right 46 percent on average meaning that at least half 54 percent to be precise of the flu shots given um will not work and what does that mean it's not quite that way i just really did the numbers not that great there let me explain We have these three strains that are in the flu shot. It's what they call the trivalent flu shot, right? And they guess them right 46% of the time. So 54% of the stuff floating around out there isn't that. Now, the government, for whatever reason, they like fear. It's their 
big into. They probably horror movies are probably their favorite movies. But 200,000 people, they say, hospitalized for the flu every year. And that's not true. It's like 37,000, which is still a lot of people, but not really. I mean, there's 3.2 million of us in this country. So 37,000, not that many. But anyway, that's how many people are hospitalized with the flu. It's estimated every year. And so they say because of 37,000 people being hospitalized, everybody needs to get the flu shot. Hmm. It can't be because of herd immunity. That's one of the big things we talk about in vaccines, herd immunity, herd immunity. Well, it, it ain't ever going to work for herd immunity because it's only right 46% of the time anyway. So that means that half the herd ain't immune. But on top of that, less than half the people in America take the thing. So we'll never get herd immunity. So don't even give me that argument. So the question is, do 3.2 million Americans take the flu shot to avoid 37,000 hospitalizations? Mm, wait. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this. Almost. Um, guess what? Hospitalizations haven't gone down as, in, as the increase in people taking the flu shot has gone up. Just one of the reasons why I think the flu shot still doesn't work. Cochrane analysis of 50 studies, 15 of which were actually done by the industry who makes these shots, demonstrated that the likely event, uh, that in the likely event that the included strains did not match circulating virus, there was a 2% incidence of presumed influenza in unvaccinated population as opposed to 1% incidence in the vaccinated. There was no effect of vaccination on hospitalizations for complications. No effect. This review also acknowledged an increased incidence of Guillain, I can never say that right, Guillain-Barre, Syndrome, which is an autoimmune paralysis that is associated with vaccination. So we have a 0% reduction in hospitalization, an increase in incidence of an autoimmune paralysis. And get this, a Canadian study found that subjects who had received the regular trivalent influenza vaccine the previous season were more susceptible to subsequently contracting the pandemic H1N1 in 2009-2010. So maybe it even makes you more susceptible. And another thing we learned this year that I already believed but I had no evidence to back up, is that maybe the flu shot in pregnant women is a bad idea. Because now, based on one study only, but based on one study, we have a significant increase in infant death um, in the first year after delivery with women who've had the flu shot during their pregnancy and the prior year. So, if it doesn't work, probably, why is everybody getting it? That's a question I'll let you answer. The next one, high blood pressure drugs are more dangerous than I thought. I didn't know how dangerous high blood pressure drugs could be. But listen to this. Hypertensive individuals on three or more blood pressure medications had a stroke risk of 2.5 times higher than those that were unmedicated. In other words, people who had high blood pressure, both groups, the people who were on three or more drugs to control it and had it under control with those drugs 
had a 2.5 times increase in stroke. So once you get up to that magic number of three blood pressure drugs, which a lot of people are on, it's a lot more dangerous. And another thing I learned, just from anecdotal evidence, because there have been some great studies that have come out over the years, but in 2017 specifically, anecdotally, natural alternatives for blood pressure can really work. L-arginine and L-citrulline and OPCs, we've seen awesome results. Heard great testimonials. So if you're nervous about the blood pressure drugs, you want to try and do it naturally, because you should be worried about your blood pressure. You do need to keep it under control, but there are things you can do that are a little safer than um, the uh, other options, okay? And so that's another thing that I learned today, or not today, (laughs) in 2017. Okay, it is 9.53. I don't have much time left, so let's talk about, let's see, I'm going to have to, there's a few things I'm not going to be able to get to. Now let's talk about testosterone. I learned in 2017 that you can effectively and safely raise testosterone production without pharmaceuticals. Hmm. How is that? Pharmaceuticals for testosterone are very interesting because we are pretty sure, based on the research, that they eventually cause cancer in a certain percentage of people. And yet, a man who's low in testosterone, or a woman, woman for that matter, because women need it too, but especially in men who are lower in testosterone, quality of life dips dramatically. Uh, sex life isn't as good. Active life isn't as good. Working out, recovering. Job life's not as good. Mental focus, drive, excitement about life and living. So what do you do? Well, I've talked about this xenoestrogen thing. They're fake estrogens that come from our environment. Uh, I don't know what is in the sky in Salt Lake City right now, but it's not the sun. I can't see the sun. And so I have to assume that uh, we have some clouds. That's good. And probably some gunk because we get this killer inversion in Salt Lake City. And uh, that stuff, that gunk has a ton of xenoestrogens in it, things that look like estrogen to the body, plug into the same receptors that testosterone plugs into cellularly and confuse the heck out of your system as to what it should and should not be doing. I have had people, multiple people, in 2017 that are doing their own blood tests or getting blood tests done, sorry, at their doc or at a lab, but they're doing them regularly to try and figure out if they can get their testosterone up naturally, and it is working. By getting the xenoestrogens out of the system, breaking this stuff down that eventually leads to prostate cancer, breast cancer, and a variety of other things, by getting rid of those, testosterone naturally comes up in almost every case. And you're not even doing anything to boost testosterone at all. You're just getting crap out of the way. What's another big xenoestrogen? Roundup. So, yeah, we talk about Roundup again. So, there you go. You can actually bring testosterone up naturally. If you have questions about that, call us. We'll answer them. 801-292-6662. Okay, and there is one more thing, and it has to do with your baby. Uh, If you have a baby, if you have a grandbaby, if you have a great-grandbaby, whatever, please, please, please do not subject them to store-bought shampoos conditioners, body washes, that Johnson & Johnson stuff, they actually improved it. They made it less toxic. 
Yay! But less toxic or non-toxic? What's your preference when you're slathering stuff on that beautiful baby skin? Is there a feeling? Is there anything in this world that feels better than a baby's skin? Oh, my word. It's amazing. I love it. One of the things I miss the most when my kids grow up is that goes away. But that beautiful, supple, soft, pudgy baby skin is the best. Let's not rub toxins on it. Let's not poison them. Johnson's baby shampoo, the new version, is a four on the EWG scale. That's actually not too bad for something over the counter. It used to be about a nine, I think. But they reformulated it, took out the formaldehyde, I believe is what they got rid of. Yeah, formaldehyde. But they still have a number eight on their ingredient list. They still have something that is an eight in toxicity that is a known carcinogen in their ingredients list, meaning it causes cancer. So let's not use that on our baby skin. There is a awesome baby shampoo slash body wash made by Think Baby, same company that makes that deodorant I was telling you about, the Think Sport people, Think Baby. That is a two on the EWG scale and has nothing above a two in the product. Ones and twos are considered safe, non-toxic. So again, non-toxic versus less toxic. Let's choose the non-toxic and put good stuff on our baby skin. Hey, I'm going to have to get out of here. There's only about a minute left. And I just want to tell you this. Nine years in, Vitality Radio is still one of my very favorite hours of the week. In fact, I think it's getting better. I just love it. The energy out there from people listening to the show, I really appreciate it. And those of you that are sweet enough to come into Vitality Nutrition and actually tell me how much you like the show, thank you. It does buoy me up, and I love it. I love hearing it. And please, give me ideas. Tell me how I can do better. Um, Hit me where I'm wrong, and uh, tell your friends. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. Let's grow this audience in 2018. But mostly, at this time of year, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to Vitality Radio. I hope you have an amazing Christmas time. Um, It's... uh, yeah, it's just it's the most wonderful time of the year, and I really believe that. Not everybody does, but I love it. I love Christmas time. Love your family. Love your friends. Reach out to somebody you haven't seen or talked to in a while that, that you really like, but you they just kind of fell out of touch. And not send them a Facebook message. Give them a call. Shoot them a text at least. Something a little more personal, and reconnect this holiday season. Love the ones you're with. Hey, thank you so much for listening to me. My name's Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham, with very limited help from Jared. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, 
go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.